think about it. If you had multiple different types of investments, you would have to learn and manage all of those different types. The way I think about it is kind of like an auto shop as an example that services any type of car. And each one is just a little bit, you know, unique and different. Welcome to the Path to Passive podcast, where we talk about building wealth and empowering lifestyle through commercial real estate investing for tech professionals. I always wish that other tech professionals reaching financial freedom had documented their journey along the way, so I'm doing it for the rest of us. Join us as we explore stories, many failures, and lessons learned along the way. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Path to Passive. This is real estate investing for tech professionals. This is the guide for tech professionals that want to invest in real estate and get the maximum leverage with their capital to earn income, save on taxes, and build generational wealth. My name is Stephen Rita, and I am your host. Hey, I hope you're having a great day today, and thank you for tuning in, continuing your journey, and growing your knowledge of real estate investing. Each week, we come to you from Austin, Texas, to talk about things related to real estate investing, how you can build your flows of income as a real estate investor. Each episode, we're bringing you real estate investing lessons and conversations with real estate leaders, real estate entrepreneurs, and good old-fashioned go-getters who can help provide the tools to start successfully investing and building passive income. So let's get into the show. Today's topic is why multifamily real estate. So as I was getting into real estate, here are a few questions that I had and that I had to work through myself. And I'm going to phrase these as, as, as questions, but set the frame for today. And so the first one is, did you know that you can invest in apartments and you don't actually have to be a millionaire? I know. I, I used to think that I had to have so much money to even get into investing in apartments or commercial anything much bigger than you know residential homes or single family homes that we see around us and that you don't have to buy a ton of those single family homes first before you get into anything bigger like bigger properties like multifamily investments or just another name for apartments and then finally you know that these Apartments, these multifamily properties, as an investor, you can actually get paid on a quarterly basis or some kind of cadence that will actually start putting money in your pockets. So, in this episode, I wanted to start off with criteria for investing, right? As we get into this, it'll become apparent why I'm starting with criteria, but we want to talk about criteria first. And then I'll talk a bit about single family home investing give some benefits, a couple of the challenges that are there, and then about apartment investing itself and answer that question, why apartment investing? So when I think about what I wanted in investments when I first started out and thinking about my criteria, I thought about some of the goals and constraints around that criteria itself. I was thinking, what do I want? What do I not want? Right. And while there are fundamental things that an asset should have, asset being something that feeds me, puts money in my pocket versus a liability that, you know, eats me or take money out. At this point, I already picked real estate, but I was thinking, okay, well, I want to have an asset that 
people will always need versus what they might just want today and be gone tomorrow. Thinking about investments that might come up as some type of fad, right? I want it to appreciate in value over time and have low volatility in the market. And if you've ever seen one of those graphs where you know the ones where you, know, you have spikes and peaks and valleys, I didn't want that because that would take a lot of always being on top of it and managing it on the you know much much quicker like almost hour to hour versus the the day or two type of you know uh, thing that I was looking for and I wanted it to be an, something that people were familiar with I didn't have to recreate the wheel on investing right and so that's why real estate just made a lot of sense for me I had goals around what I wanted and that's what I picked other things, again, we're thinking about desires and sort of guardrails or things that you don't want. Well, I wanted to build streams of income, right? I wanted to make money that only took a bit of time to manage. And while this might sound obvious to have streams of income since we're talking about investing, but not every asset will pay you money, right? Think about growth stocks or maybe even a cryptocurrency as an example right versus a stock that has dividends and i'm not saying anything good or bad about any of them i'm just giving examples here i wanted to be able to do something once and get paid multiple times over for that the second thing i wanted was scale right if can i keep doing tasks or a set of actions and get the same or very similar results i wanted to build or adopt a model that can allow me to keep adding blocks of capacity or more streams of income right think about it if you had multiple different types of investments, you would have to learn and manage all of those different types. The way I think about it is kind of like an auto shop, as an example, that services any type of car. And each one is just a little bit, you know, unique and different. Instead, if you only serviced one type of car or one brand, as an example, you would have all the diagnostic tools, all the systems for that type and the processes and the way you would scale is by servicing a higher quantity of them by doing very similar things to all that same type. I also wanted lower risk, right? I wanted to know that I would be able to get my money back that I invested, or at least most of it. Assuming that I bought in the place that others wanted to live and others wanted to buy, then there would be someone else who wanted to buy that piece of real estate or that house too. I know that kind of touches on demand here, but I'm really talking about could I get my money back? And I knew that if I bought it, I could sell it and I could recoup some of that investment. And then I also wanted as a fourth thing here to keep that investment for long term and make it part of my portfolio so that I could start building that generational wealth like we talked about. I knew I just needed to get started and keep on going and building and building and building. So those were some of the things, my criteria that I wanted, but there was also the opposite of things that I didn't want, right? Or things I had to consider as an example, because we all have a finite amount of time, energy, and, you know, et cetera. And so I had to put some constraints around this. And so one of the first ones was I didn't want it to take that much time. I was managing a full-time job and that takes, <laughs> takes a lot of time. And so I didn't want it to take that much, meaning I could do a few hours of work on it here and there and manage it and it would keep giving me returns while it appreciated in value. And the second thing is, it had to be an asset that was going to stick around. Right? I talk about things that I do want around adding it to a portfolio and that it continues to appreciate. 
But again, I needed it to stick around and not be here today and be gone tomorrow. And the reason is, is that I wanted my knowledge of the asset to compound over time. And let's face it, real estate isn't going away. Homes aren't going away. And people have to live somewhere, myself included. And housing is a simple, basic need. And third thing that was really important to me from Constraints perspective is that I didn't want to give, I didn't want to invest and have someone have all the control over it, right? I wanted some way for me that I could influence it. And this was just my starting out criteria, but I'm talking about criteria. Yours might be different and might, you might have uh, things and constraints that might be better suited for you. Now, I needed to have some control of this investment or asset. And I was never really a fan of stocks or bonds as investments because I wasn't able to really have any control or influence after I paid for it. And this is just where I, I started. And so this is criteria that I have for things that I wanted and I didn't want. And so let's talk a little bit about single family homes and talk about residential real estate. Like I said before, that I, before I discovered commercial and multifamily investing, I bought a few single family homes myself. Many of these problem areas are things that I'm familiar with and having faced them some of the first hand. Of course, real estate, there are, we might have some idea about the benefits already. If not, I will definitely cover that in a future episode. But I just wanted to mention some of these challenges because again, the episode frame here is around why multifamily investing. And the first one, that I know very well is that you only have one tenant, right? That means that if the, the tenant leaves, you lose your entire source of income, right? You can always, you know, you always want to be there to provide the best service that you can for the tenant. But if they leave, you lost that income, right? So if they, if they leave, you lost the entire income stream and you have to spend money on repairs to get it ready for the next person to move in. You know, we consider this turnover. And if that happens, you might have to make sure that, you know, you're working with all the vendors to get it fixed up. Or if it's you're doing it yourself, then you'll have to you'll have to do it. Uh, work with property managers, work with, you know, anyone else to do the showings and get someone back in just to get your income stream back in. Right. And so you might be thinking, well, all right, I might. Well, I might just just have it managed. And that's true. You could have it managed, right? That would free up some of your time. You'll be paying maybe seven, eight, nine, 10% on someone else having managed it for you. And that, that allows you to do other things. But let's face it, if you're not managing it, then someone else is managing it. And not only are you going to be paying them, but they may not care as much about this as you do. And it's important to vet out who the management company is, you know, how well they've been doing, what is their track record, that kind of stuff. Right. And so who holds that property manager accountable? That should be you. And so you still will have to invest some time here. Um, but again, just pointing out that, yes, it's possible to get property management and they can do it well. But you still have to consider that that is uh, a risk here. Number three is properties in multiple conditions. This is the assumption that you have multiple single family homes and you have multiple them in in different different locations right even if they're right next to each other in the same let's say subdivision or you know very similar location they're not going to all be in the same exact area right and so typically what happens is that you know you lose economies of scale because they're in separate locations 
And because they're not going to be the exact same type of house, likely, right, you're going to have different supplies. So, you know, it, that also comes with different vendors and it comes with different sets of specialized knowledge. And so there's going to be nuances. The houses are going to be a little bit different. And so you're going to lose, like I said, those economies of scale because you're just going to have different places. The fourth one is it might be a little bit tough to get that money back, you know, quickly, right? And what I mean by this is really the um, uh, how big of a stream of income that you're going to be getting. And let me talk about this. So you might be a cash flow investor or you could invest for appreciation, right? So that it could, your asset can grow in value. And depending on how much money you put in, how much debt you use, how much, you know, leverage, you might be only making a couple hundred dollars a month. That is after paying back principal, interest, taxes, insurance, you know, and putting money away for future uh, repairs that will inevitably come as well. And so you're going to need multiple properties to get more cash flow before you can really start seeing that that cash add up, right? And so these are just some of the topics that I wanted to touch on for single family investing. So what about multifamily investing? No surprise that many of the areas that might be a challenge with single family homes get addressed with multifamily properties. But of course, nothing without problems or challenges. They're just a little different. Let's focus on some, some of these challenges that do get addressed. Now, remember, always consider the criteria um, that you're putting together and also some of the, the topics that I talked about at the start of the episode. So the first one would be the economies of scale. And I love this topic. So when you invest in multifamily properties, you have these economies of scale. When you invest in property, you're buying more than one unit under one roof, which means that you can spread the cost of maintenance and other expenses across these units too. This can help you reduce your overall operating costs and increase your profit margins or increase your profit, increase your revenue. Let me say it that way. So if you have multiple units in an apartment, they're all a similar type, one bedroom, one bath, as an example, and they'll have similar types of kitchens, sinks, appliances, and flooring, right? Then it's much easier to have the parts on hand to service, teach people how to fix those particular things, develop repeatable processes since they're all the same type. Hence, one simple econ- example of economies of scale versus having different parts ordered every time for houses, different vendors, you know, having a lot more diversity. The second thing is predictable stream of income. Now, what I mean by this is with, with a predictable stream of income or more predictable is that like we talk about with single family homes, you have one tenant, right? Whereas, you know, with, with multifamily properties, you could have multiple tenants paying rent, which provides a more stable and predictable income stream. Right. Well, it's true that you might have vacancy or units in the, in the apartment complex that are not filled at every given point. At least you have a majority filled and can still be getting income versus relying only on that one. And the third, professional management. So with multifamily properties, they're usually managed by professional property management companies, which can help you reduce your workload right? For yourself. These companies handle day-to-day operations of the property, including tenant screening, rent collections, maintenance, repairs, and even can help with things like marketing. Also, the risk is spread out. 
right? I wanted to reiterate that there's no investment that comes without risk. And in the case of multifamily, you have that risk spread out for very similar reasons, like we talked about from the economies of scale perspective, right? Risk types include economic, local market changes, competition around other apartments in the area, and then the pricing, potential legal actions that, that might come from within or outside management risk. Remember, having multiple units is still much better situation all at one location versus having one single tenant for your entire income stream. It's almost like scaling up versus scaling out as an example. You afford more vacancy with multifamily. In fact, having some vacancy could even be a sign of a good thing. And we'll get into why that is the case in the future episode. So bringing to us to our recap for today. Today, we talked about investing criteria to start with. I talked about a little bit of my criteria, what I thought about my desires and things that I wanted to, you know, put some guardrails around. I talked about level of risk that I wanted, my need for scale to do something once and create additional streams of income. I also talked about something that I wanted where I could have my knowledge to continue to compound, as in I could just keep learning about one particular asset class and that I didn't want it to take too much time for me because I was a busy professional managing my career as well. We got into single family real estate, some of the some of the, the areas that really you know, it's it's really just describing it, but some of the challenges there as well. And I also want to mention here that what I was describing is my rentals that I've had and what I've heard from other professionals that are around the long, the, the buy and hold model, right? Not talking about the short-term rentals, Airbnb type of model. And so with single family homes, we talk about single tenancy, right? Management risk and loss of economies of scale if you have properties, multiple properties in many different locations. We talked about multifamily property benefits, including economies of scale, the predictable streams of income where you can have multiple units and you can have a uh, allowable higher vacancy, that's okay. Professional management and lower risk or distributed risk across all those units too. So in summary, I know today was a quick episode, but we'll be getting deeper into these topics in the future episodes too, right? We'll get more into single family, we'll get more into multifamily as well and continue to build on our criteria. So the main point was just to provide that quick overview of single family versus multifamily and really have you start thinking about developing your own criteria for your investing strategy, tighten it up if you have one already, or even decide to pivot if you so choose as we keep rolling on our path. So brings us to our action for today. Today, I want you to ask yourself, what is that criteria? And if you do have investments, do all of those investments already fit into the criteria and goals that you have? What might you need to change? If you don't have a criteria, then this would be a great time to start putting together that list. To start, think about, you know, what are the goals that you have in five years or 10 years or 20 years? Well, there are many benefits to multifamily or single family. Again, you need to base your investments off of your goals and as you develop your criteria. So if you don't have investing criteria, make a list right now of three things that you would want your investments to meet from a lifestyle perspective, right? Some questions to start and help you out is how much time do you want to spend on those investments? Would you be okay to spend some more time to play an active management part in it? Or would you want to be more on the side that is passive and less hands-on and 
provide some capital and knowing that it's as secure as could be, but letting someone else do the work, right? Do you want it to be close to you geographically, or is it okay for it to be a little bit far away if you learned about that market? If you have some investing criteria ready, take a look, do some inventory. Are those investments that you have made aligned with that criteria and how much do you need to make any changes at you too? So that would be a great thing for you to do now. In the next episode, we'll be talking about multifamily asset classes. Specifically, what are the different types of multifamily real estate? What are the attributes of these classes? We'll be looking at this from perspective of pros and cons, and why do these asset classes even matter as we dive deeper into multifamily assets? This is what we'll be covering as we continue this path of real estate investing journey for tech professionals. So, if this has helped you, please share it and let me know what you enjoyed most. Or if you have questions about today's episode, please reach out. I would love to hear your feedback, discuss it with you, and see how I can be of service. You can reach out to me at the real Arita. That's the period real period Arita, or email me at Stephen at AritaCapital.com. And if you have any topics you would love to hear about, let me know. I may not be able to get back to you immediately, but I will read your messages and maybe even create an episode just for you and the topic of your question and credit you with that question. So that's all I have for today. Thank you so much. And I will see you next time. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Path to Passive. We love connecting with our listeners and those on the path to architecting their wealth and improving their lives. Feel free to let us know what topics you'd like to see in future episodes. Get in touch with us through email or Instagram. See you next week for a new episode.